the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtain. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. chapters of the book of Revelation where we talk about the next thousand years. And I think it's kind of neat that God kind of gave us a little bit of a glimpse of what life will be like after the end of the world and as we know it anyway. And um, kind of uh, give us some hope of what we can expect. But also um, I think we will see there's a little bit of a warning that comes along with this too. Life is not all that it will seem. Uh, You would think paradise is paradise, but there are some things I think you may find interesting as we dig into this next thousand years and what it will be like living in the New Jerusalem, the holy city of God. Now, as you expect with most stories, both fictional and non-fictional, the bad guys are destroyed, and once that happens and the hero saves the day, the story is finished and all ends well. However... With God's plan, things can and will go differently. Yes, we do know that the victor, Christ, has won, uh, punished the evildoers, and sets up a new kingdom with the new city. We studied the punishment in the last few weeks. We've talked about the destruction of Babylon and what happens to those who get the mark of the beast and what happens to the false prophet and the Antichrist which they are cast into the lake of fire for an eternity. But what happens next, according to the word of God, I really find difficult to comprehend. And as we go through this next half hour, we can still see that God is in control. I do believe he is in control of all things. Everything serves a purpose to his plan. However, he allows men to have a free will. And although difficult to understand why, he does allow the process of moral and godly behavior to once again go in decline. Now, before we start this new millennium study, Satan is put away for a while. And we check that with Revelation 21 through 3. 
Then I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who was the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Now, the Bible here goes out of its way to make sure that the reader knows exactly who is being thrown in the abyss. It cannot be anyone but Satan himself. Now, the Antichrist and the false prophet, they were thrown into the lake of fire to serve out their punishment. So now the devil gets his punishment. However, it's only for a thousand years. That, to me, seems like uh, a long time, but it's not an eternity. In fact, it actually appears to be a light punishment for such an evil being. I could even suggest that Satan gets a slap on the wrist compared to the severity of all his crimes. After the punishment of being chained up for the thousand years, Satan is released back to the earth in which the time frame of his parole is mentioned as short. Now, this word short was also to describe the length of time that he was allowed once he was thrown out of heaven to pursue the saints. Um, He was thrown out of heaven, if you remember, with the war with Michael and the archangel. And he was thrown down, and a third of his tail took down uh, uh, his tail took down a third of the stars, which would mean that he had a third of his demons that came with him. Now, with that as a guide, it stated then that the devil knew his time was short. So we can assume then Satan, after the thousand years is finished, the time on Earth again is short not in terms of hundreds of years. I believe it's just for a short, maybe just a short few months, maybe just a short few years. 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on the foreheads or on their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So obviously here, I'm not going to get into too much detail between all the deaths and the second death and the first death. Um, There's too much interpretation for that. And really for the basic Bible reader, it's really quite confusing. But very plain here. Those who are raptured and those who are in Christ, these are the ones that are resurrected when Christ appears on the cloud during the rapture, the first to come alive or the first to uh, be resurrected are those who are dead in Christ. And they meet those in the air who have been left behind. So we know that these are the people that will reign with Christ for a thousand years, both the living from the rapture, at the time of the rapture, and the dead, all who have died from the time Christ died on the cross. So that's a little indication of who is going to be the first inhabitants of the new Jerusalem. So let's go to Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea comprehend something here 
Remember earlier in Revelation, and I wish I had the verse right at my fingertips, but I don't, but it's easy to find. I believe it was at the uh, closing up of the sixth seal. Um, It was either the sixth seal or the sixth trumpet. Um, It could have even been the sixth bowl. It was one of them. Uh, It states that every mountain will vanish or every mountain will be made low, or every mountain will be laid flat, and every island will flee. That, to me, is an indication of a restructuring of the Earth's crust. You have to understand formations of mountains are caused when two plates are shoved up against each other and they form a peak. That, according to geologists, are the way mountain ranges are formed. Um, it's just the Earth's crust that protrudes from out of the, the the Earth up into the air. Now, if the mountains are laid low, will the Earth's crust come apart to the point where they are going back to being flat, and then the islands join the continents? Now, I have seen a video of how the Earth's continents actually fit like a puzzle, each one with each other. Over the course of years and years and thousands of years of earthquakes and uh, different uh, phenomenons of, of the shaping of the world and its continents, things have shifted to the point where they have become separated from each other. Now, we know this because if you go to Los Angeles and you have the tar pits there, they actually found lions and elephants and stuff in the tar pits. Um, They had to come from somewhere. So they make the conclusion that at some point California could have edged very closely to Africa or another continent where the animals were able to travel across the expanse of the earth, where they were not inhibited by oceans. So to me, this is an idea of a shifting of the Earth's crust that caused the continents to once again move back to the original place. That would help explain why there is no sea. Uh, The ocean? I don't know. (laughs) Then it's like, what happened to all the water then? It's got to be somewhere. Uh, That's not explained here. But we do know that there is no more seas and obviously no more islands. So let's look at the heavens. Now we know that definitely gets a makeover because we're going to lose the sun. And we will study a little bit later how the earth will be illuminated. Continuing on on with that verse 1. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And... Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now remember a few weeks back, we studied the great prostitute and how she was given the name of a great city also, which was Babylon. Now if we recognize how religious movement can be a physical city also, we can also know that the bride of Christ is also a city. And that city is called the New Jerusalem, or God's city. Now, God actually takes up residence within the city. 
the bride of Christ will live with him. And just like we have on earth with a marriage. Can you now see the importance of the sacrament of marriage and how closely God relates his own plans with those performed upon the earth according to his will? When a bride marries the groom, they live together in one location. And we will be living with Christ in the same city together. I think that's such a neat comparison to put that between us and the marriage on earth. Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now remember this. There was no death for the bride of Christ. That changes, however, for those who come as further generations who come from us, actually. Now, I cannot imagine what life would be like without heartache or pain. The concept of it is just unfathomable, and really, it's just got to be an awesome thing. To believe that all the bad memories are wiped away, I think this would be what we will remember from the tribulation period, what will happen to believers as they progress through the tribulation period before the rapture occurred. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for the words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arcs, the adulterers, and all liars. Their place will be in the lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. Now, not only are these words for encouragement, but it's a stern warning for us today. It is not a message for those occupying the new heaven and the new earth, but for right now. This is a message that says it's trustworthy. It will happen. This is something that God will not change. And this is a warning to those who don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The choice is ours. The result of how we choose to end up is determined by how we live. Now, the first death is our physical death. The second death is the damnation from God, from not having your name in the book of life. Now, the next part of Revelation here, I think, is one of the most elaborate and beautiful pictures shown in Revelation as the description of the New Jerusalem. Here we go. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in a spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Notice the relationship here. The bride is also a city. Coming down from heaven, from God. It is shown with the glory of God, and its brilliance was that like of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the name of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, on the north, 
on the south and on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay, the revelation of this city is not to be seen as something spiritual. I, I guess you could say this does represent something on the spiritual side of the bride, but I believe it's an actual city, knock on the glass type of city. Having an actual location where the bride or the believers will actually live. I cannot stress this further. To me, this is something we will see. I mean, you can touch it. We will go in and out of it. To put this into a spiritual perspective as this being something that doesn't exist, I believe is a misinterpretation of of Scripture here. This city is being described by God. It will be our home for the thousand years. Notice the city comes directly from heaven. Now, Jesus made a promise on earth that he was going to prepare a place for us. And, in fact, that's found in John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If I were not so, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and that where I am, ye may be also. That, to me, is such a comfort. I've got that hanging in my office here. That, to me, is precious, because I believe, as we are speaking right now, Jesus is creating a room for you, just like he promised. Now, let's take a look at what the city is like. First of all, it will be constructed out of a clear, glass-like material, It needs to be see-through, and we will find out later why. It has a brilliance or a sparkle, if you can imagine this. A high wall surrounds it completely with three gates on each side. Now, each gate has an angel guard in it. That I find intriguing. Why? Why are there guards at the gate? Each gate is labeled with the names of the tribe of Israel. It is through these gates that the believers will go in and out of the city. The foundation of this enormous city is made up of 12 parts. Somehow these parts must be separated in order to be named. To use the tribes of Israel as protection and then the apostles as a foundation, it seems to me has a direct meaning. There are many explanations that would fit this, but obviously the apostles and the tribes of Israel both have meaning in the building of this city. The angel, verse 15, the angel who talked to me with had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, as wide and as high as it is long. He measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurements, which the angel was using. Now, I cannot say from this verse that this city is spiritual. This is proof here that this city is real. We have the exact measurements given by God in terms that we understand. And I'm going to give you those terms. First of all, the city is like a cube. All its sides are equal. Now, imagine this. 
Hang on to your hats. This is awesome. The width of the city is 1,400 miles wide. It's the same as the length, okay, because it's even in size. If that was set in the United States, it would cover over half of the country, and that's just its foundation. That's just the city itself. How about the height? Well, if it's a cube, it's going to be uh, 1,400 miles high. I'm going to put that into perspective. Did you know that the International Space Station is at an altitude of about 200 miles? Okay, this city is 1,400 miles, 1,200 miles above the space station yet. Can you now see what the elevators must be like in this place? Wow. Its walls are 200 feet thick. 200 feet thick, people. The architect of this massive city could have only been God himself. Now we get to see what this is like. The wall was made of jasper in the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And if you go through, there are 12 stones here that are mentioned, which are your 12 foundations. So obviously, the 12 foundations are in colors. 12 gates are made out of 12 pearls. Each gate, a single pearl. The great street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Okay, wow. For me to write an explanation here or even to give an explanation of these few verses are almost impossible to imagine. Can you imagine how John had to write this down? If you would look up the physical description of each of the stones listed in Revelation 21, you would have every color of the rainbow. And if you look into greater detail, these gemstones are translucent in their natural state. They allow light to travel through them. Now can you imagine why John said that this city sparkled? It was beautiful when it came out of heaven. Now, the gold, to be that it appears like glass, that's, that's a bit more difficult. Gold can be beaten into a very thin layer, layer to allow light to pass through it. It could be also to mean that gold is highly polished here so that it shines like glass. With either explanation, God has found a way to create gold that the beauty of it is reflective, and smooth like glass, thick enough to pave Main Street. Now, the 12 entrances, or the gates, are carved out of a single pearl. So you've got to imagine, these pearls have got to be enormous, the size of a house. And I believe that God displays these pearls as a show of his wealth. When a man constructs a building or a road, we know that we use the cheapest stuff, and the cheapest stuff is usually strong, cement, steel, and tar, asphalt. It's ugly, but these are readable resources for us to use. God does the complete opposite. He uses the most valuable of resources, the most rare, 
The foundations of the city are built out of a gemstone. The road or the main street, it's paved with gold. And look at the pearl. A pearl is noticed or considered the most value by its size. God just outperforms our imagination when he creates an entire gate with one pearl. And then he puts a hole through it because we can go in and out of the gate. I think that just shows how much he actually values his children. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The temple does not exist in this holy city. That is alone in heaven. Nowhere in this chapter does it state that God is worshipped. God dwells among his people, and I believe this adoration is a two-way street. Imagine in a perfect home, the husband and the wife adore each other. The husband does not demand that his wife worship him. However, they do serve each other, and that is something we will do. Now imagine the physical aspect of the light. If the walls of the city are transparent, this can explain how the outside of the city is illuminated. The city actually becomes a lamp. Now, this gives up some questions here. If the lamp gives the light to the rest of the earth, will the earth maintain a round shape? Now, if it is round, it then has a permanent dark side because the city does not move. The city is permanent. We have lost the sun. The earth evolves around the sun. But here, the sun or the light evolves from a stationary a stationary place, a city. So, could that give an indication that the earth has become flat? That would make it that the light gets sent out to all four corners of the earth. Notice that wording, four corners of the earth. But I do think possibly it is still round because there is a dark side that will come about as we evolve into the thousand years. Now we can understand from the beginning of this show here that the heavens were to get a makeover. There is no sun, no moon, no stars, no planets. What is up in the sky, don't know. Maybe God's got something totally awesome for us. Maybe we actually see heaven and we can go back and forth up to heaven. I don't know. So the guessing game starts here. Without the sun, is there weather? Does it rain? Will the earth still have a warmth from the sun? These are questions that we really don't have answers for, not until we actually seen and experience this. But one thing is for certain, we know that life inside the city is perfect. However, things will evolve from the choices of the citizens in this city. Now, I'll probably end up splitting this show into two parts. I am going to talk next week on what is life going to be like in the next thousand years. How does sin evolve again? How does the devil get out and deceive the nations? I'm going to try to get as far as I can into it right now, but I know I will finish this up on the next segment in one week. Or if you're into the archives, just go ahead and click on the same 
uh, title that I have there. I'll try to part that into part one and part two. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Study this carefully. They hold many clues to what happens during the thousand years. Who are these nations? The nations that were in existence before the tribulation or the old earth have been destroyed. These new nations must be the generations from the people who live in the new city. Keep in mind, we got millions of people combined with a perfect environment. And then we add a thousand years. What is the result? Well, a lot more people. In fact, in Isaiah, and I think I'll have the verse for you next week. In Isaiah, God states, it will come a time where just a few people will become a clan, and a clan will become a nation. That is an indication that we will have a population explosion. My name is Christine Wyke. You can reach me at 888-653-9752 or my email. Send me a note. Explain this at att.net. You can visit my website. I'm hoping to have a new website soon, probably the next month or so, but I should still have the same domain. Explain this. That was www.explainthis.us. Thank you very much for listening and tune in again for next week.